Darth Bane. Let's let's Bane get number going two. on Darth Bane. Bane number two. So again, for those of you guys who uh, didn't see our Bane one, this is going to be a little different vibe than our normal podcast. We're basically going to recap the book while giving our takes on it. But like the recap is the important element. Like if you don't have time to read Darth Bane, give this episode you know less than an hour for you to basically right. familiarize yourself with this plot line. Right. And so if you haven't heard it yet, we covered Bane one. Um, a few weeks ago, that's on our feed. We went about an hour on that one, hit every single major plot point and talked through it. Um, this is Bane 2. If you want to read along with us, we're going to be covering Bane 3 probably in a week or two. Mm-hmm. So um, I highly recommend the audiobooks. They're all less than 10 hours. They're pretty short. And the narrator does a good job. Yeah, the, the narration is great. Uh, Jason and I actually speed up the audiobooks too. Um, mm-hmm. Which uh, so I, I listen to it at like one point two five percent. That's what I or, do for the yeah, thron- That's what I do for the Mark Thompson stuff. Mm-hmm. Usually, if the but like for the uh, uh, for the Bane books, I actually was okay with the normal oh really pace. yeah. Also, like in general, in general, the, those books are pretty short regardless of, of what you do. Yeah. But But if you want to read along with us, uh, I will be doing Bane three soon. But we're gonna cover Bane two and hit all the major plot points. Yep. You got to take. Uh, they're legends books, but we consider them canon essentially. Yeah. And like, I mean, this is going to be a theme in this show, particularly like we love Star Wars. And if you want to wait around for only canon content, which we're going to cover it all, like we're literally two weeks away, one week away, like nine days away from the the next High Republic book. We're going to cover that right mm-hmm. after Bane 3. Like we're going to hit all the canon stuff, but Star Wars has a lot of good non-canon content. Yeah, there's a ton of lore. To stuff too. And, and Bane is like... Bane and Plagueis are like peak Star Wars lore, which isn't like officially canon. And well, Most both of, of them, but both characters it. are canon. Both characters are canon at this point, but like their backstories, yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot to know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Incredibly we, interesting, too. We leave off in Bane 1 with a thought bomb. So, again, we're not going to break it down in case you guys want to hear it. It's further back in our feed, but Bane destroys the Sith with, mm. a, th- with a thought bomb, right? Excuse me. When he does... The book basically ends with him walking around on Rusan and finding this girl who had snapped the necks of two Jedi uh, who, had, who had talked some shit to – or had uh, killed her friend, the bouncer, right? The little b- fluffy alien A bouncer is – yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a bouncer is like a, a fluffy Just alien Just imagine ball. Kirby but floats and, yeah. and, and communicates like, telepathically. Typically nice, but if you piss them off, then they'll rage on you. Yeah, exactly. Anyways. Like, Anyways. How is it that Kirby is that, – that that's the first time Kirby's come up? It's obviously Kirby. It's it's very Kirby. They're very Kirby like, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so anyway, anyway, so uh, Bane has Xana, right? The 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 basic kind of like st- stage at the beginning of the book is Bane and Xana are walking around on Rusan, and they're starting to kind of talk about some baseline Sith concepts. Mm-hmm. The Jedi had retreated from the situation because the thought bomb did all this damage, and they wanted to make sure that they could get away from it. But now the Jedi are preparing to go back down to the planet to look for survivors and and, and stuff like that, right? Correct. In the, in this situation, Bane and Xana go to make two stops before they uh, before they get ready to leave. Right, Bane goes to the Sith camp, and at the Sith camp, he finds in Cordis's stuff. Remember, Cordis was the leader of the Sith Academy on Korriban, and, and Bane literally choked the life out of him. But he finds this script, this this uh, um, manuscript that basically references the uh, uh, the alleged location of Exar Kun's mm-hmm. temple. In the on the planet of uh, on the moon of Duxon is what it's called. Or I think the moon's called Duxon, but it's on the uh, it's the moon of Onderon. And Onderon is like this planet that's like kind of chaotic, dark side energy. 
and there's like this these giant dragons. Just imagine Game of Thrones dragons there, and there's literally the gangs or the clans there are all dragon riders. Yeah, and and that's pretty hardcore. Exactly. So like Bane, Bane's like, oh, I got to go to Duxton. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get Exarchoon's uh, 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 holocron. That's basically right. what I want to do, right? But he's having these like visions. And these visions are of these ancient, or not ancient, but the Sith Lords that he just killed with the, the thought bomb, specifically Khan, who was the leader of the Brotherhood, and Cordis, who was the leader of the Academy. And so he's worried that they might be like haunting him. So he wants to go down to where the thought bomb went off to basically just make sure Dude, that. Yeah, and that's a super important like grounds, right? So we wanted to check it out. I feel yeah. like too. And, yeah. and, and for those of you guys who are into the deeper lore, there's ba- Bane basically finds an orb that is at the epicenter of the thought bomb that is four meters tall and three meters wide. So, wide. so just imagine a big kind of like shimmering white orb. Now this literally becomes in the future, the Valley of the Jedi. The Jedi build basically a big uh, memorial around this event. And then uh, Kyle Katarn and all the, the, you guys remember the Dark Forces games, Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy, all those games. Kyle Katarn basically like encounters this orb and gets basically filled with the power of the force as a result of it, right? So, like, uh, like that that's kind of, like, the big picture stuff. But Bane finds the orb. And when he goes down there with, with Xana, they find uh, uh, an, another Sith, basically. Yeah. A guy wearing Sith robes, holding a red lightsaber. Well, and, and Sith has a different name kind of at this point. Like, w- w- would you think of Sith as just this, like, you know, massive, super badass force wielder? And, and like, Sith, actually, there was, like, the Sith armor. So people... People would call themselves like Sith. We are of the Sith, and they'd just be like foot soldiers. And and both sides of the war were like grabbing everybody who was like mm. even the tiniest bit of force sensitive. Well, it turns out that this this character goes by Derivit, who uh, happens to be Xana, happens to be her cousin. Correct. And they knew each other, but they got separated when their ship crashed on entry in a uh, in a firefight. Mm-hmm. Right. He thought Xana had died, so he's like, oh my gosh, Xana, you're alive, blah, blah, blah. The stuff he calls her Rain at this point. And then Xana just like is terrified that Bane's going to kill him. So she reaches out with the power of the dark side and melts his hand. <laughs> like, yes. Literally, his lightsaber just clanks to the ground and melts his hand. And he had been using the lightsaber just as a light. Like He he's looks like a Sith, but he's basically a kid. Who, yeah. who's, and the reason why he survived the Thought Bomb is he was not sensitive to the Force. Or like super low sensitivity. Or, su- yeah. or, or some sort of super low sensitivity. And so like that sets the stage because Derivan ends up becoming a, la- a, better, a bigger character later on. Bane basically goes to Xana at this point and goes like, hey, final test for you to become my apprentice. You have to find a way to get to Onderon in 10 days. Peace out. And then he like gets in his ship and goes to Duxon. And, and how old like, is Xana? Like, she's 10. She's 10? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Xana's like, what the hell? Like, yeah. how, like this is this is crazy. So Bane leaves for Duxon to go look for the Exar Kun's uh, holocron. Xana's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, uh, Derivit. Uh, um, Derivit goes and just kind of hangs out, but the there's a Jedi, um, Johan. Johan, yeah. yep. Johan is a Jedi who was Lord Hoth's apprentice, and Lord Hoth was the leader of the Army of Light, who and died, he died in the, in the thought, thought bomb. bomb. So he wants to go back down because he wants to help, and so he goes back down, and he runs into these two Sith soldiers, 
And these two, oh, they're kind of like mercenaries. They're they? mercenaries. Yeah, yeah. They're former Sith mer- mercenaries that worked for the Sith. Well, when Bane went to the camp to get the to, to, to get the scroll that had the location of the temple on Duxon, he saw these people raiding the camp, and so he killed all of them except for two in epic Sith fashion. Like that. Yes. At one point, he just like shoots lightning up into the sky, and it like just arcs around and just starts just killing people. <laughs> yeah, like he just messes. At one point, he just hurls his lightsaber across the camp and decapitates a dude. Like it's during it's, these fight scenes too. They're incredible. Incredibly descriptive. Oh yeah, Drew, yeah. It's, shout out Drew Carpishan, man. Excellent action writer. A little uncomfortable to read at yeah. times. Like it's super intense. So he actually a lot wrote bone breaking. Yes, and well, and like the audio books, they they kind of add some of that yeah. stuff. It'll be like, and then Bane slapped his saber down at Sirak's thigh. And it'll be like you just hear this like sickening crunch. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like, okay, sweet. So and Bane <laughs> literally leaves these two uh, mercenaries to be alive just to to kind of plant seeds that the Sith might be still there. And and the the entire the entire reason for that is because Bane knows that when these mercenaries talk about uh, Darth Bane existing, that nobody's gonna believe them. Exactly. So so he wants he wants to sow this uncertainty about whether or not the Sith are truly there or not, and he thinks that that's the best way to continue to be like incognito within the universe, in the greater universe itself. Yeah, specifically, he's like, I want people to see me who are less than reputable. Yes. Because then their stories will basically poison if someone does happen to discover us and tell the story, it'll kind of like get get them off the, right. the trail of that, right? So uh, uh, this Jedi Johan finds these two mercenaries and he has this like deep-seated uh, kind of like PTSD from the war that he like almost wants to not believe that the Sith are extinct. And right. so and so he's like the the mercenaries are like we saw a Sith Lord he's still alive like blah, blah blah he killed us blah 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 and of course the uh, Johan's like oh shit like the Sith are still alive so he runs to his boss who's uh, Jedi Master Valentine Far Valentine Farfalla and basically is like the Sith are still here the Sith are still here and then uh, Johan's like who t- or uh, Farfalla's like who told you that and he's like well these these mercenaries and he's like why did they tell you that well they were surrendering to us. And, yeah. and he's like, do you, do you see the problem with what you're saying there? And so Bane's plan is like literally coming to it's fruition. Like perfectly by, working. A, exactly. So basically, uh, um, Johan jumps off the ship and stays with these two mercenaries, right? And the rest of the 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 rest of the rescue crew go elsewhere to try to help some other people, and they find Xana. And and Xana's like, hey, the you... worst thing that could have happened. Worst thing people. that could have happened. Because Xana, though she like still has a little bit of light in her to some degree. Yeah. Like she's a little girl. Like she wants to do well, but then she also wants to be powerful because mm-hmm. she saw Bane's power. She was super impressed by that. So yeah. then she's like, okay, I'll stick around and, and see what this can turn into. Like sh- she ends up murdering these people. As they're like helping her out, all of them. Like she basically goes like, "Hey, I want to go to Onderon," and they're like, "Why?" And she's like, "Uh, I have family there," and they're like, "You have family on Onderon?" Because it's like literally Beast yeah. Rider clans. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and they're like, "Wait, wait, like your family's like, dragon riders?" Pretty dangerous. And, like, like, and they're also like, "How the hell did you end up here by yourself?" And they <laughs> kind of ask her like, "Is there anywhere else like you, yeah, you want to like, go? Like anywhere else that you want to go?" At one point, they literally are like, "How about this? How about you go eat some food and go to sleep, and then in the morning we'll see if you still want to go to Onderon." Yeah, How's yeah, that, right? yeah, right, right. So if she doesn't go to sleep. She picks up a blaster and just shoots everybody in the ship. Yes. So she murders everybody. Then goes into the autopilot and sends it to Onderon. So like Xana figures it out. She figures it out. But it's so funny because like though she uh, was able to muster the ability to kill these like innocent people, um, 
she was still bothered by the fact that she did that, right? So, like, she wouldn't go to certain parts of the ship because, like, the dead bodies were there and it bothered her to look at yeah, it. Yeah, she basically sat in the pilot seat the whole, yeah. the whole way there. Yeah, and, like, mm-hmm. ra- like she'd, like, eat the, like, what are they called? Rations? Yeah, like, she'd, she'd eat the ration, ration packs and then throw them And, the like, back. throw it down yeah. the hallway because she didn't want to walk down the hallway and mm. be around them. And then the stench of the ration packs uh, starting to, like, decay, mm. like, overpowered the stench of, like, the decaying bodies, mm-hmm. which she liked, so she, like accepted and like um almost like uh, enjoyed the fact that like the ration packs were going bad it was it's super weird like so she's obviously struggling mentally with what she had done well she's 10 and like and again like both her and bane had their issues with like fully embracing the dark side yeah but she's a true sith and she does definitely become one down the line like yes. she definitely leans into it in, in the big picture um so bane goes to duxon and he uh gets into the temple and finds a it, he's in this like a chamber and he feels like a dark side presence on the other side of a wall and he sees like this big block that's in the way and so he struggles to move the block fails the first time then it takes like all the power that he has to move the block the second time it ends up being kind of like a test that xr coon basically set up for him yeah and so he uh um it might have been freed and was a freed and ned I think it might have been. See the hmm. Freedom Natter X and Kuna. It doesn't matter. So they uh, he pulls the the block out and uh, uh, and goes into the room and she's a holocron on this like little like pedestal in the middle. He's like, okay, I found it. So it turns out that whether it was Xarcuna, Freedom Nat, whoever it was, set up this block that kind of like uh, is 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 blocking this room off. And so he get he goes in there and he grabs a holocron. And as soon as he does, all of these like crustaceans that were on the ceiling like fall down on top of him and start attacking him. Which is super, super key because these crustaceans are called orbalisks. And we'll kind of get into like the the realm of orbalisks a little bit. But like essentially um, what happens is is Bane discovers that they're incredibly strong. And, yeah, he's and, fighting them with the lightsaber and they're like batting across the room instead so, of bisecting. Yeah, exactly. So then uh, long story short, Bane ends up realizing that he's in extreme danger because he cannot mm-hmm. kill these crustaceans. Yes. And as he's grabbing the holocron, two of them attached to his yes. body. And he, he starts to feel like the odd effects of these orbalisks being attached to his body. So he bails out of the room and uh, he has the two orbalisks on him, grabs the block and like remarkably easily puts it back. He's like, that was weird. And he's like, that was weird. And But he's got the holocron. So he opens up the holocron and the holocron, as it turns out, basically has a breakdown of all things orbalisk and like explains the, the relationship. And it's basically like this weird... The symbiotic parasitic relationship where like the orbalisks feed on the power of the dark side mm-hmm. but they do so by like but in return by pumping in these chemicals that both in- enhance his ability to use the force enhance his physical endurance and strength and mobility give him basically wolverine instantaneous healing properties like it enhances all- anger as and well ha- and basically can can kind of cause him to lose control of his emotions it's because literally it- the perfect definition of a positive feedback loop exactly mm-hmm. like it, it, it he feeds the orbalisks which then feed him which then feeds the orbalisks and it just turns into this like crazy kind of like like you said a, po- yeah. a positive feedback loop which so, would be great if bane could choose to to wear the orbalisks yes like these orbalisks legitimately cannot be removed they is, can't be removed what the belief is mm-hmm. and essentially essentially they'll they'll pump bane's body with hormones if they get killed these hormones would kill Bane if they get killed or if they're being like pulled off of a body. Exactly. So he can't take them off. So he's basically screwed. 
They grow over his body. He has to wear a fancy helmet and gloves to keep them from growing over his head and in his in his hands. So it's this whole thing. But also, it's you know a holocron. So he's like he's like okay, cool. Like we got all this information. You know, I'm good to go. He grabs the stuff, goes out. But what had happened was is he had been dealing with some. Uh, he had been dealing with Khan and Cordis's uh, their like kind of like apparitions bothering him mentally as he was making his entry into the atmosphere in Duxon and he lost control and he crashed the ship. Mm. So he's like kind of screwed. And so now the apparitions are like talking to him and they're like, they're like, you idiot. Like you, you're, you're stranded here now, blah, 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 blah. But when he has the orbalisks on him, he suddenly finds the ability to like, f- like use that power to cleanse those apparitions away. And then they're gone. So the yeah. orbalisks and they're gone of, for good. They cure him of that, of that condition. But he basically like what's, this is such classic star Wars. Duxin is this moon that's of of Onderon, but they're like they share an atmosphere briefly. Like so imagine very close, right? So he actually sees one of these dragons in the atmosphere and dominates its mind and then rides it and then flies it through to the edge of the atmosphere. Then when he gets to the edge of the atmosphere, he surrounds himself in a cocoon of the force and flies in deep space <laughs> with the dragon. On a dragon. On a dragon yeah. and gets through to Onderon. And gets into the atmosphere. Now, simultaneously, Xana, in her autopilot, autopilot parked her into a field outside of some city in in Onderon, and she immediately gets attacked by a group of beast riders. Correct. What's do- so like? As I was reading this, I was like, okay, is this acceptable Star Wars content? Like, am I cool with like a dragon like floating through space? Yes. The answer is a resounding Absolutely yes. One hundred percent. Am I okay with that? You know why? Because there are like certain rules that exist within Star Wars, like f- rules of physics and mm-hmm. chemistry that do not apply to to our world that we know. Mm-hmm. And like, if you can conjure up a legitimate reason or a- explanation on how someone could do that. I'm cool with it. And mm-hmm. like that's what's so cool about it is like there is a reason why Bane was able to do that. It was it's just it was just really neat Star Wars content. Yeah, and like also I think that there's a, a difference between scale and like mythology in a yes. lot of ways. And so like to me like a lot of the stuff that the Jedi and Sith do kind of is supposed to bend reality to mm-hmm. a certain extent. But like it's it's where you get insane is where it's like the I need 10,000 ships. Yes. Where, like the where Star Wars gets crazy is when they go too in on scale on as scale. opposed exactly. to like kind of the mythology of it. So anyway, uh Xana's screwed. She's getting attacked by these beast riders. Bane basically shows up from the sky and just messes everything up, kills all of them. There's this like final confrontation where him and two of the dragons and five of the riders are all kind of wrapped up in this ball. And then the dragons get tangled up so they lose lift. And they basically just plummet to the earth like a meteor. And they do and form this massive crater. And all of the organic material in this mess is like obliterated except for Bane, who comes like, Xana's like watching the whole thing and Bane like comes limping out of the situation and then as he's limping he like kind of straightens up and like heals himself because the orbalisks heal him <laughs> and it's kind of funny too because like in in like a summary of the conversation on how how bane explains what just happens he's like though that's because of the orbalisks. <laughs> yeah that's that's basically what he says he's like he basically says to Zeta, he's like i could not have survived that yeah. if it wasn't for the orbalisks. by the way these are orbalisks because <laughs> yeah because yeah, she actually like looks at him like what's going yeah. on with these two things and like, right i think i think he uh like it like his it, it it was one of those things where like she was definitely like appalled by everything that she had just seen because imagine like she's screwed being attacked by dragons and a Sith Lord descends from the atmosphere 
in a dr- on a dragon that's bigger than all the other dragons. <laughs> yes. Kills all the other dragons, and then in the process, like like everything gets obliterated except for him. And then he's good. And he's yeah, yeah. good. Like it, it's kind of crazy. So anyway, basically, we fast forward ten years from there. That's like a big a big bridge point in the book. Part two of Bane Two. <laughs> we are joined by a special guest. Graham Huffaker, first appearance on the Two Sons podcast. You're on it. He was throwing a fit. He was so th- we had to take a little break yeah. and get a bala going on. <laughs> that nap time was officially over, and it was uh, it was time for some food. And so now we're going to talk some Star Wars, a little G guy. Yes, I'm, I'm curious to hear his his opinions on the intricacies of holocron construction. For anybody so, who's <laughs> not watching YouTube right now, what we're referring to is the fact that I'm holding my child right yes, now. Yes, yes. <laughs> G, G-Man is in the room, just going to town. Um, so... Fast forward 10 years, they're on uh, Lake Nath. Basically, Bane and Xana, what they're up to right now is Bane's trying to construct a holocron and he's failing every single time. And he's starting to contemplate whether or not that positive feedback loop with the uh, the orbalisks uh, is causing the problem. Yeah, they and demand it, so much of him. And not only that, but they're also incredibly painful. Like yeah. They have like some pretty negative physical effects that, that are, are taking a toll on Bane. Uh, you know, one like small downside to Orbalis because they literally have like thousands of small little razor sharp teeth, teeth yeah. that just constantly are caked into his his like skin. Yeah, he's basically invincible and impossibly powerful, but always miserable and yes. in tons of pain. That's basically Darth Bane's condition. Which, by the way, very similar. <coughs> excuse me, very similar to the condition that Anakin Skywalker yes. was in post uh, uh, everything w- uh, that turned him into Darth Vader. So anyway, Xana is involved in this other kind of plot. Bane is trying to prevent an uprising against the Republic from happening too early. Essentially, hey bud. <laughs> if if it happens too early, it'll basically uh, c- uh, cause more problems than it's worth. So what he really wants is he wants to kill all the potentially dangerous uh, secession activity. And right. so there's, there, there's basically now, as we know, this becomes an issue in the clone or uh, in attack of the clones, but basically Sereno is a specific rich planet that has constantly been dealing with a lot of anti-republic sentiment. Right. And so there's a group there that is be- preparing to make some sort of move against the Republic. Specifically, they would like to like basically engage in a, in a terror, uh, an act of terrorism and Zan is encouraging them to do it. Per Bane's orders. Yes. Specifically, there's a former chancellor of the New Republic who also happens to have a bodyguard at this point. It was the same bodyguard who we've been talking about at the beginning of the show, which is Johan, right? So, Xana talks them into launching their assault on the chancellor when he visits Sereno on a diplomatic mission. And they end up uh, launching basically like four assassins and uh, and this like Twi'lek, uh, uh, red red skin Twi'lek they call him a Lethan, a red skin Twi'lek who's like a, a like a devastating hand to hand combat guy, mm-hmm. right? And Johan ends up like barely surviving the the interaction, saves the chance the former chancellor's life. At the end, he literally Gigi Man wants the mic. I know. <laughs> At the end, he ends up grabbing the Lethan and jumping off the cliff thinking like, oh, like I'll just self-sacrifice to save the Chancellor. Mm-hmm. And the Force basically saves him. Correct, yeah. So so the Twi'lek uh, essentially dies on some rocks, then he lands in some water, 
and then somehow lives. And then the previous chancellor is Valorum. Chancellor, chancellor previous, Valorum, yeah. yeah. Valorum. Par- apparently a very famous family name. Yes, yeah. uh, is pretty stoked on that and yeah. is pretty happy about it. And like jo- Johan actually says to him after, he's like, can you please get a security team, a, bro? A criffing like, yeah. security team. <laughs> they say the word crif a lot. Criffing, cri- which I believe is a solid F-bomb yeah, in Star I'm, Wars Criffing is a good F-bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what the criff, man? Yeah, what the criff? <laughs> what the crif? What the criff is going on, man? Hey, uh, earmuffs, Graham's within our presence. Yeah, Do yeah, not yeah, say cryfing. Yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, Xana uh, uh, basically triggers this early terrorist attack that goes south, right? When she goes back to Sereno to get some supplies, because Darth Bane blows up another holocron, making a mistake, goes into a massive blood rage with his, uh, with his uh, orbalisks. And ends up literally destroying the camp. Yeah. Like right, goes crazy, right, right. destroys the camp with the power of the dark side. He goes, Xana, go back to uh, Sereno and get some supplies. She goes back to Sereno and two of the people in that group that weren't involved in the assassination attempt, or at least they were, but they left. They ran away when they saw Jedi was there. They basically kidnap Xana. And they take uh, her to their leader, who is one of the counts of Sereno. And it's a guy named Hetton is his name. Poor Hedden. Poor Hedden. Hedden was, was a victim of, of uh, unfortunate circumstances. Misfortune. So hey, you dabble they, in the dark arts, though. You'll get you'll get can, you know bad. You'll get misfortune. It can happen. So like basically, Hedden's uh, uh, people show up and they're like, "Hey, we found her. By the way, she had a lightsaber on her. Like here you go." Xana didn't kill them in public because it would reveal her as a Sith Lord. So she had no choice but to basically allow herself to be kidnapped. So. She decides, eh, now's the time for me to reveal myself. So the two people that kidnapped her, he just she just immediately kills. First, she takes the the female who happened to be a Chiss, by the way, mm-hmm. um, our our favorite race in the in the Star Wars galaxy. She uses Sith sorcery, and then like as she's using Sith sorcery, they drop back into time to a point in the past where Bane is basically teaching her, like, hey, you have a gift for Sith sorcery. Here are some manuscripts. Like, I want you to learn how to use this stuff. Mm. This is your individual gift. By the way, if you ever use this on me, I will destroy you. Right. This basically is what, she, what he says. So I love how like fascinating he is with the microphone. It's hilarious. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, um, she uses Sith sorcery on this like chiss girl. She goes insane. She starts like basically seeing the, her worst fears and she's like shooting a blaster at him. And next thing you know, like she presses and presses and presses Xana does with the spell. And she descends so far into madness that her body turns into a lifeless husk. <laughs> so it's alive. The body's alive, but her brain, her brain is buried so deep in the void that she doesn't exist anymore. She's basically as good as dead. And and Xana does this like on a whim with almost no effort. Yeah. She like, just goes like, and, then, yeah. and, like, and like kills her. So everyone's freaked out. Everyone's freaking out. The guy, the guy who kidnapped her, he freaks out, grabs his blaster, starts charging Xana. Xana just casually pulls her lightsaber off of Hetton's lap. By the way, Darth Xana goes with a smaller version of the lightsaber staff. So a double-bladed lightsaber, but a smaller version because she's small. And apparently she just basically uh, has a whirling, spinning defense kind of like strategy. So she Bane is like huge powerful swings of his of his like kind of curved lightsaber right xana is very much like just double bladed spinning protecting herself right yeah. so the dude just starts firing blaster bolts at her and she just goes like dink 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 and like puts one right back through his skull and kills literally him. through his eyes yeah uh, in between his eyes specifically so hetton goes like oh my gosh like i've been waiting for you my whole life and she's like what the hell are you talking about turns out he's basically a dark side force user who is a sith fetishist 
who his mother did not want him to to serve in the war. So she basically had him privately trained. Mm-hmm. But he ends up killing his master and his mother because they ended up kind of operating crosswise to his individual goals. Then he basically goes about trying to uh, collect all of the Sith artifacts that he can in the galaxy. In the process, he finds the location of another Sith holocron, one from uh, a Sith Lord called Belia Darzu on the planet of Tython, who you guys might recognize as the birthplace of the Jedi Order in the inner core of the uh, Star Wars galaxy, right? So Xana starts to kind of concoct this plan in her head because he also has access to 10 Umbaran shadow assassins who literally were assassins for the Sith during the new Sith Wars, who he now employs basically as mercenaries. And then he uh, uh, has access to these uh, um, artifacts, right? So Xana knows that he won't give her the artifacts. And she doesn't know necessarily if she can handle all these Umbaran assassins. So she sees one way out of this situation. She's like, hey, you be my apprentice. We'll go kill Darth Vader. Because he wanted to be. He, yeah. like, he like essentially bows to her, like goes onto one knee and asks to be his, her apprentice. Uh, 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 apprentice. Apprentice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And she and and she's like, okay, fine. And you, they don't really. It's kind of Drew, Drew Carperson does a good job of not revealing her plan until the end. But this is basically what her plan was. Right. So Bane's chilling on the beach, and Bane is a is so so badass. He becomes aware of the present of the presence of the Umbaran shadow assassins because he experiences a void in the Force. So the the Umbarans can hide themselves. Actually, you can break right, this down. right. No, well, and and uh, that actually happens to Xana, right? Because she doesn't understand that they're around her, and yeah. then all of a sudden they just appear next to her, and and she's like, "Wow, that was she's pretty like, wow, impressive." That was crazy. Yeah. yeah so so. Um, you know, Bane is what he's like, just sitting at a campfire. He's meditating like on his failure. Yeah, yeah, he's meditating on his failure, and then all of a sudden, he can no longer sense anything, and then he knows that that's a massive problem. So then he essentially gets ready for a huge battle, and, and he, it he he pops up and takes his lightsaber out before any of the Embarrassed Shadow Assassins actually get to him, but. Then he quickly identifies the circumstance. He looks over in the distance and he sees Xana standing next to Hetton. And all the Embarn Shadow Assassins attack him. He basically fucks them up, but... Or crifts them up. Yeah. But... <laughs> but uh, they all stab... A bunch of them stab him with the, the force pikes. And the force pikes that they use unleash like enormous amounts of electricity. And Bane like actually falls to his knees at one point. Uh, even through the orbalisks. Right. And Xana's like watching in the background and she like makes a mental note like electricity seems to have some sort of effect on his uh, on his orbalisk armor, right? Right. And and but, Bane has told Xana like one day you will defeat me and yeah. you'll kill me and take over. Like yeah. that is like so Sith and like one of the dopest things yeah, about it, Sith. It, it, uh, like legends. She's always preparing for her inevitable confrontation with Bane. And she knows at this point she's not ready, but she's kind of making mental notes in the, in the big picture anyway. And so Bane kills all the bar and shadow assassins. Then Hetton charges and goes like, Xana, what's the deal? Why aren't you helping? And then Xana just sits there quietly. Bane kills Hetton easily, but then he goes into an orbalisk fueled blood rage and comes this close to killing Xana. Cause he's like, you betrayed me. Like blah, blah, blah. So like, finally he knocks her to the ground and, and she gets far enough away from him just to scream in his face. Like, stop it. Like, I'm not here to, I didn't betray you master and all yeah. this stuff. It, I think the way she gets through to him is she says like, I can get you the secret to how to make a holocron <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then he finally like kind of snaps out of it. And then he, 
breaks she breaks down her plan exactly like I just did. Bane's like, oh, you've abided by Bane is very much like, I don't care what you do as long as you kind of like obey the rule of two. Yeah. And like one of his biggest philosophies is like using subterfuge to get what you want. And she's like he's like, Oh, I see what you did. That makes perfect sense. Right. Anna's like, if if you weren't able to defeat the Shadow Assassins and, and some low level dark force user then you didn't deserve to be a sith master essentially and he's exactly like, oh, that actually makes sense good job Zana. yeah she's like he's like what if i would have been defeated and she's like then you would have been weak and you would have deserved to die and, and he's, he's like, like good girl you got it <laughs> good, good girl <laughs> you were right so uh uh so basically from there uh in the blood rage Xana kind of gets through to Bane that he needs to lose the Orbalisks because he it, it it may or may not be impacting his ability to make a holocron and it's definitely causing him to go into these like kind of blood rages because he had just in this book already he had destroyed his campsite once and he had nearly killed Xana so like it and he had bl- uh, blown up at least two or three holocrons at this point so like it's a problem so they come up with this new plan and basically the plan is like you give me the the, the manuscript to, that says, okay, we're going to Tython. I'm going to go to Tython to find Belia Darzu's holocron. You, Xana, are going to go undercover as a Jedi. Uh, and, a, and basically the idea here is, is like there are Jedi that operate at the temple, but there are also Jedi that basically obey the code elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so like there's a Jedi master and an apprentice that live on some remote planet that are basically like, imagine them as like zoologists. Yeah, they're like biologists. Yeah, they're yeah. just like obsessed with like observing life. And no one, none of the Jedi have seen either of them for decades. So it's the perfect person to infiltrate the and, – and the last time they saw it was a young girl. So, like, literally they're like, okay, we're going to have Xana be this girl. They dye her hair. She impersonates a Jedi. She learns this Sith sorcery spell that hides her in a mask of the light side of the Force. And she goes into the Jedi Temple to go research Orbalisks in hopes of finding a way to help Bane – uh, defeat the Orbalist. So it's ba- or get rid of the Orbalist. So it's basically a divide and conquer situation, right? But at the same time, uh, we talked about Johan, right? Johan saves the Chancellor. He needs he gets a new job now because the Chancellor gets his own security detail. He wants to go back to Rusan and build a temple that it pays homage to all the Jedi. This is so amazing. <laughs> you're bored. You're a natural, G man. Uh, <laughs> G guys podcast. <laughs> We needed your positive energy in this episode. So uh, so literally, he goes back to Rusan to, to oversee the construction of the Valley of the Jedi. There's basically this like m- memorial, essentially, to the Thought Bomb. He runs into Derivit. Now, Derivit, if you guys remember, is the one that we talked about at the beginning of the episode. It got his hand melted by rain by the Dark Side Force. A.K.A. Xana, Xana's cousin. Derivit's pissed off and hates the Jedi and the Sith. And so when he sees this monument getting built, he's like, this is stupid. So he starts actively trying to sabotage the product, uh, project. Johan is like, this sucks. I'm in charge of the project. I got to stop this guy. So he stalks him out and catches him. When he catches him, the, uh, they have like a chat in Derivit's shack. And basically he goes like, uh, he goes like, we have to honor the sacrifice. Like this is what destroyed the Sith and, and allowed the galaxy to prosper, blah, blah, blah. And Derivit's like, you guys didn't destroy the Sith. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I saw Darth Bane, specifically Darth Bane. Because remember, Derivit was a Sith. Mm-hmm. He was a shitty Sith, but he was a Sith. <laughs> he was there. <laughs> uh, so literally, uh, he goes like, I saw Darth Bane, and my cousin is now his apprentice. Like, he has all these explicit details, which for Johan is like the revelation of a century because he always suspected right, that yeah, the Sith were right. still alive. So he immediately grabs Derivit, takes him back to Coruscant. They happen to drop Derivit off in the uh, ca- uh, in the archives while they're waiting for the council to assemble so he can, or Jar- Farfalla to, to get ready for to, to basically hear his story, right? Well, Derivit runs into Xana, who's isn't also Isn't it funny how the force Rain. works? Yeah, isn't it funny? So like they run into each other in the in the in the archives. 
And literally Derivitz, like immediately his focus changes to like, I got to save my friend. Right. He realizes that he was essentially going to destroy his cousin by, by revealing them to the Jedi. Exactly. And he, Derivit thinks that Xana is not really a Sith. She's just indoctrinated and she can be turned back to the light. So he basically decides he wants to bail, right? So Xana's like, we got to get the hell out of here. So she quickly grabs the, the, the Orbalisk data, quickly grabs the, uh, um, the location of Tython and how to get there. And then she accidentally leaves her data card in the computer and then her and Derivit run out and they leave and they go to Tython to meet with Bane. Well, the, when Farfalla and Johan show up to the, the archives, they, the archive uh, manager basically goes like, I saw them over there. They go over there. They find the data card. They find out that uh, they're going to Tython. Literally, they grab quickly. Johan, Johan is informed Farfalla that this is a Sith Lord. So like he knows that they're going to go confront a Sith. So they quickly, they, they don't have time to go to the council and make a pitch or anything. They, they literally run and grab five Jedi, specifically Farfalla, Johan, this Akani warrior who's like the blade master, basically kind of like, I just envision her, uh, she uses t- twin blades. I just imagine her like uh, uh, Kasim. Yeah. Kasim, if you guys remember, in the first Bane book was the blade master for the Sith. She's like that for the Jedi. Her apprentice is this like behemoth of a man who uses like a, a lightsaber staff. So like a huge like double-bladed lightsaber. And then the last guy is a, is a Ithorian, so the hammerhead looking things. He's a battle meditation guy. Which is so dope. And, and, it's, and it's something that we've talked about in Star Wars before. It's like, it's astounding to me that battle meditation has not been used in, in like mainstream Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, it, you guys probably already know, but uh, battle meditation essentially is the idea of you have some strong wielder of the force over in a corner somewhere or even on like a capital ship somewhere and they help turn the tide to whatever side they're meditating for. It's easier to describe in a book because like you can say things like, as soon as he, you know, started the battle meditation, all of the the Jedi in the room were filled with this like additional amount of power and stamina. Right. In a movie, it'd be really hard to demonstrate that, but I do think we'll see it eventually. I think it's something that that could very much uh, uh, happen in the future. I think e- even don't be surprised if it ends up being something Thrawn uses with the uh, uh, with the Night Sisters. Oh yeah, like yeah, that. that'd be interesting. Could, yeah, yeah. So anyway, they all load up. Everyone shows up on 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 uh, um, Tython. Bane got there presumably a few days earlier when he gets in he finds Beliadarzu's holocron inside this this fortress right and in the fortress in the back room where the holocron is there is just a room full of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these like half organic half droid machines basically in the same way that Bane was a brute force dark side force user and that Xana was like a Sith sorcerer this Beliadarzu was big into what they call Sith alchemy, which is basically like imagine Sith chemistry, which by the way, you know who else was big into Sith alchemy? Plagueis and Sidious. They True. were huge into yep. Sith alchemy, right? So, um, and they talk a lot about Sith al- alchemy in the Plagueis book, which we're going to be reading after Bane 3, which I'm very, very excited about. So, because you haven't read that one in a long time. No, it's been you, years. You're going to have so much fun reading that book. It's I'm excited to get into it. So, and we'll do that after Bane 3. Cool. So basically, they uh, Bane walks into this room, and Belly Darzu had come up with a, basically these spores that infected organic material and turned them into half-droids. 
So Bane has to like cut them all. Just imagine like a giant rancor that's like half machine that has like a big shoulder mounted like like cannon like just and like imagine, a sword like, for a hand. Yeah, like <laughs> just well, yeah. chaos, <laughs> just absolute Seriously, chaos. Yeah, like one of them had like a giant sword for a hand. Like some of them are like human, and some of them yeah. are like like like. So they're like all the different aliens of the galaxy. Well, and I talked about how like machines. most of their brains had just like uh, decayed away over the years, and because of the spores, and so so essentially they're just like. Uh, barbarian version of versions of themselves well at one point they were half organic half droid but now they're like half droid and half decayed organic yeah. matter is basically the way that i the way i visualize it visually speaking that could be so cool to see in a movie mm-hmm. oh no i totally agree so bane ends up uh uh killing all of them and getting the holocron right and he starts to kind of dig into the holocron while he's waiting uh to to leave and what's funny is, is like, this is a consistent theme in, in the Bane trilogy. I'm sure you've noticed this. Every time Bane has to have a big battle, he always has to do something super exhausting before. Like when he fights Hurst at the beginning of the first book, he was super exhausted from a shift in the mines, right? That's when a he, really uh, good point. When, when he has to fight Kasim, he had stayed up all night in the uh in the uh temple learning about the the holocron right right uh when he went to the valley of the dark lords and starved himself for two weeks he came back and that night in the middle of the night he had to fight uh uh Ciroc and his and his friends right like it's a consistent theme in the book is like bane does something exhausting and then he has to fight it's like, like the only way that bane could even remotely become defeated as if he's just completely exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Well, even in book three, like uh, when he gets attacked by uh, um, by the, uh, what's the, Iktachi in, uh-huh. in everybody, like he, as he's walking up to the house, he's like, Bane thought about how exhausted he was and how he'd like to go take a nap. <laughs> and then it's like, but then he came in and then he starts to sense that all hell's breaking. It's, it's definitely a consistent it's a thing. So Bane is exhausted from fighting all these techno beasts. And he's like, all right, I'm going to load up this holocron and I'm going to head back home. So he walks out of the fortress and he sees Xana's ship coming and he senses another life form in the ship. And he's like, oh shit. So literally Xana gets out and Xana's like, this is Derivit. Derivit's going to help me get rid of your orbalisks. Like he's a healer. And then right in the background, you just see the Jedi ship right behind him. And like Bane's like, the Jedi have found us. Get in the fortress. So they find this room in the center of the fortress. Just imagine like a long rectangular room with a door on either end and a closet in the middle. And they basically stuff Derivit and the holocron and the... the, the Derivit's just like standing there in the closet like holding, holding a everybody holocron. Shit. <laughs> holding a Seth holocron like a buffoon. <laughs> well, and mind you, we're about to literally talk about what was essentially a massive confrontation between the Sith and the Jedi. Like a massive battle in this in this uh uh fortress and literally derivit is is like his role in it is hiding in the closet which is which is funny so they set up and the jedi come through both of the doors and they have a, a attack and basically we settle into this epic conflict between darth xana darth bane and five jedi ma- or four jedi masters and a jedi knight or three jedi masters two jedi knights or whatever the combination was and they and they fight right so Johan and the gigantic uh, dude with the double-bladed lightsaber, who's the apprentice of the Blade Master, they take on Xana. Farfalla, the Blade Master, take on Darth Bane, and the Ithorian sets up in the corner and sets up his battle meditation to kind of help them all, right? So basically, the battle, uh, uh, they tell the battle from the perspective of Bane and Xana kind of back and forth. And at first, Xana's doing just fine because the, the the big dude is like causing some problems for her and he's definitely super skilled. But Johan is such an idiot that he's getting in the way and he's just not good with his lightsaber and he's causing problems and, it, and it's, it's all of this stuff, right? 
On the other side, Far, uh, Farfalla and the and the Blade Master are getting their asses handed to him by Darth Bane, and right. they they know they're screwed. So literally, Farfalla goes like, "Johan, we need help!" And so literally, the big lightsaber dude goes like, "Get out of here! I can handle her on my own." Which was cool because, like like Jason had said, like Johan had been getting the way, but the tide had turned. Like when Johan started fighting next to the Blade Master, she was so good at what she did that she was able to work around his inconsistencies and actually use it. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, yeah. It they was so cool. It literally goes like in the same way that Johan had been slowing down the other guy. He actually complimented this Akani uh, warrior really well, right? Mm. So Xana's in trouble because the double-bladed lightsaber girl is, uh, or double-bladed lightsaber guy is just is backing her into a corner and causing all these problems. The three Jedi that are now attacking Darth Bane are having some success. And they're slashing, they're identifying that he's got some exposed skin because they can't hurt him when they hit his body. But they identify some exposed skin on his wrist. Well, one of them lands a blow on his lightsaber wrist, severs all the tendons, like just basically nearly cuts off his hand. The lightsaber falls limp out of his hand and Bane like lets out this bellowing roar, right? But in the process, he basically like explodes out with the power of the force and sends all the Jedi away from him. And then they watch as his wrist like magically heals and his fingers start working and again. And they're like, oh, And then no. he pulls the lightsaber back and he's screwed. So Bane, now that all the other Jedi have been knocked away from him, he turns and walks towards the Ithorian and he's like, I'm going to kill the battle meditation right the fuck now. Because that, that is literally the only thing that's, that's helping the Jedi that's keeping them alive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Bane approaches the Ithorian, gets ready to cut him down, and at the last second, Johan saves the Ithorian by using the force to shove him out of the way. But in the process, it breaks the battle meditation. And so when it breaks the battle meditation, literally Xana then senses that the that her opponent gets distracted and he briefly looks over to the side. She musters up the power of the force and puts a Sith sorcery spell on him. He starts just just a quick little wiggle of fingers and just completely takes over the battle. Exactly. Yeah. So he's like waving his lightsaber at ghosts. She just cuts him to down. Just just literally one slash across his chest. He's dead. Then she basically wraps herself in another Sith sorcery uh, 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 a spell that hides her presence, sneaks up behind. While this is happening, the Ithorian resets up her, his battle meditation and the other three go back to attacking Bane and they settle back into their thing. Well, Xana comes up and just stabs the Akani Blade Master in the back. She's dead. She falls over. Uh, uh, Bane then chops off Johan's hand. And so Johan falls to the ground, like clasping at his uh, arm. And then this epic thing happens where they're like, they're like, uh, and again, they're telling the story from Bane's perspective and they build up Farfalla as the super important Jedi right. master. And they're like, and then Bane casually swatted his lightsaber aside with his forearm and then removed his head. Yeah. His and, head. And it's uh, like, it doesn't even say Farfalla's head because to, to Bane, Farfalla is just a, a Jedi. Jedi. Yeah. yeah it's just he a Jedi. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So he, so he cuts down, uh, cuts down the, uh, so like almost instantaneously, everything falls apart for uh, 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 for the Jedi in this conflict, right? And Bane gets ready to walk over and deal, deal the killing blow to uh, um, to the, what's this called? Johan, Johan. right? Yeah. Oh, and at one, I'm sorry. At uh, uh, Right before this, Bane had slashed 
the Ithorian's throats. Like it basically <laughs> cut his neck, and the and the Ithorian's dying. He's in, he's it's on the floor dying. So, like I said, Bane is super super intense to yes. read. Sometimes it is. It can get it can get intense. Yeah, and I think uh, so. Ithorians have four throats, and yes. I can't remember, but like they break down like, like the anatomy sl- of of the four throats and like why that's um, important for Star Wars. And I think like it talked about like each throat being slashed. Yeah, they're like it slashed through all four of his throats. So then he turns and he basically gathers the power. Of the, hey, bud. He gathers the power of the dark side and goes to unleash a lightning storm on Johan to kill uh-huh. him and end the battle. But right at the last second, the Ithorian reaches up and grabs Bane's ankle and wraps him in a stasis field. And when Bane uses the lightning, it basically bounces off the walls of the stasis field and cooks Bane alive. And it kills uh, some of the Orbalisks. Kills a, a couple of the Orbalisks. Mm-hmm. And then Bane basically just drops to the floor in a heap. Then the Ithorian dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Xana goes up and kills Johan with a, a, um, a stab to the chest. And then basically goes like, shit, Bane's going to die. We got to do something. Like, uh, we got to go uh, to go see Caleb, uh, Kaleeb, who was the guy on Ambria who saved Bane the first time in the, in the right. first book, right? So they load everything up. And there's this cool moment where... She asks uh, Derivit to gather up all the lightsabers, and she literally refers to them as the the uh, the trophies of the Sith victory over the Jedi on Tython, which is cool because it's like literally within Sith lore, it's a huge moment. Like, right? They killed five Jedi ma- or Jedi masters and knights, and they basically uh, maintained the secrecy of their. At least at this point, it's well, it's not completely tied off yet, but. They survived this particular right. encounter. They could, in theory, even if the Jedi knew they existed, they could disappear at this point, at least go hide. Well, and what's dope is that's super consistent with uh, Star Wars lore and how things are um, depicted on timelines, right? Like, everything's either, like, BBY, like, right before the Battle of Yavin, yes. right? So, so as, as, far as, as far as, like, a timeline goes, like, this was one of the big battles. And it's cool because it only involved, like, a handful of people. But yeah. yet it was still monumental in Star Wars. It, was, it could have been what blew up the entire grand plan. And it could have been what led to the Sith going extinct. Like, that was on the table with the outcome of that specific conflict, right? So, right. anyway, they go, to, uh, they go to Ambria. And they go to see Caleb, uh, Kaleeb. And, of course, Kaleeb, just like last time, was like, no, I'm not healing him, you know? And then uh, she tries to sense to see if the daughter's there. And he's like, you're not going to find my daughter. My daughter's gone. I sent her away. Remember, Bane threatened the daughter to get her to uh, uh, get him to to heal him last time. So Zana's like, I'm screwed. Like, he's not going to he's not going to heal him. This is going to be a big problem. But uh, Derivit does something for her that ends up saving the day. So Derivit goes like, hey, like, you don't want to let her go. So, like, how about you heal him, mm-hmm. but we turn both of them into the Jedi. If we turn both of them into the Jedi, that'll stop her from going on the... Because, like, neither of them wants to unleash Xana on the galaxy. Right. Which Xana's is an important essentially detail. just as bad He's, for the galaxy Bane. as Bane. Yeah. Yeah, so Kaleeb didn't want that either. Exactly. And, and Kaleeb knew that Xana uh, was just going to kill him out of anger if if uh if she didn't get what she wanted exactly so like like xana starts to kind of once again piece together this plan and as you're reading it it doesn't make any sense but it all comes together at the end but basically what she sees is she's like okay this is perfect he'll think i'm surrendering and he'll bane will call the jedi the jedi will come and then what she's thinking is is like i just need to find a way to convince them that they've killed bane even though they haven't killed bane 
And so Easy. she sends this she sends this like kind of coded message and it basically says like a Sith Lord still lives. Which was one of the requirements for for Kaleeb to to save Bane is he's like you have to send a message via what type of droid was it? It was I like a, a like messenger probe is yeah. what they called it. And and it has to have certain criteria in which yes. she in, in which she meets. And the criteria were basically like have to tell the Jedi you're here, have to disable the ship. Mm-hmm. That was basically the big one. So she basically says a Sith Lord still lives. He killed five Jedi on Tython. He is now uh, 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 mortally wounded at this camp on Ambria under the care of a healer named Kaleeb. Like, come get him, basically. Sends mm-hmm. off the probe. Then uh, Derivit disables the ship beyond the ability to fly it, at least not in short term. It would have mm-hmm. taken days to fix it, basically. Yeah. And then they wait. Now, Xana at this point goes... Uh, a Darth, uh, um, Kaleeb starts to heal Darth Bane, but Xana still is on the fence over whether or not she's going to actually like make this move. So she wakes up Bane uh, as he's starting to heal. And it turns out electricity is the way to remove... There's like a little tiny hole on the tip of the... Uh, of the uh, uh, orbalisk shell. And if you like stick a probe into it and like shock it with a little bit of electricity, it like releases the orbalisk on the body. Right. And then they can do use these like salves and stuff to like heal his skin. So that's basically what they do. Which they're still trying to figure out what to do though, because uh, the orbalisk still deposit that hormone that can kill Bane. But Kaleeb is essentially like the premier healer in all the galaxy. Yeah. Just like, imagine if, him as like the best healer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, 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 Anybody can do this. It's Kaleeb. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So um, Xana wakes up Bane and basically makes sure that his mental faculties are still there. And and basically, like, Bane's like, you failed me. So Bane's pissed at Xana. But Xana's just letting it ride because she's more just interested in seeing if his anger and passion is still there. And he's like, he's like, kill me. Like, I don't want to be a prisoner to the to the Jedi. Like, this is right. stupid, blah, blah, all this stuff. And Xana's like, okay, he's still there. He's so, still good. He's still so, my guy. So when he passes out, she just goes like, okay, now's the time. So she pulls out her lightsaber, basically kills Kaleeb, cuts him into a million pieces, and unleashes a Sith sorcery spell on Derivit. And her tra- cousin. And, and, and her own cousin. And then basically, her and Bane hide in the basement of the tent, surround themselves in a, a sphere of Sith sorcery that makes her, her, them invisible. Then when the Jedi show up, they roll in deep this time. They bring 13 Jedi. It's like six masters and like seven Jedi knights. And they're all like veterans of the war on Rusan. So they're all like badass Jedi. They roll up in there. And then basically, Xana then sends Derivit out in a, in a blood rage using Sith sorcery, wielding a lightsaber, and the Jedi cut him down, and they are different from Johan in the sense, who's dead now, they are different from Johan in the sense that they have, like, they want the Jedi, the right. Sith to be extinct. They'll do anything so to the, make themselves believe that the Sith are gone. Exactly. Yeah. They're looking for an excuse for the Sith to be extinct. Right. So they find Kaleeb dead, they find Sith Lord dead that they just killed. They don't find anything else in the tent and they find a disabled ship. So yeah. they're like, they can, they piece together like, okay, he sent off this messenger drone. Clearly he regained enough strength to then kill Kaleeb, but he's now in this like, uh, basically they, they think he tried to heal himself with the force, which drove him mad is basically which, what they Which think. is so ridiculous. Like, like the way that it's explained in the book, um, makes it sound a little bit more believable where you're like, oh, I could see how the Jedi could think that. Mm -hmm. But like when you really go back and think about it, you're just like, oh my gosh, the Jedi were literally so desperate to think that they were in the good times of of the galaxy. And they would have done anything in order to believe that the Sith were gone. And so they conjure up this like fabrication among themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, like he he got driven, you got driven mad by the dark side. When does that ever happen to any Sith Lord? Like Uh, never, it just doesn't. 
And, and so like, like they basically uh, decide, okay, this, this whole situation's over. They're like, Hey, do we want to get rid of the ship? And they're like, no, we don't have to worry about the ship. The ship is uh, uh, already disabled. So they leave. They're like, they're like, leave it to the junkers. Like as if they're doing a favor. For yeah, them. yeah, exactly. So, so Xana plugs Bane in uh, after they leave, Xana plugs Bane into the back to pump in the ship. And then a couple days go by. Leave the working back to pump uh, <laughs> engaged in the ship, please. And we'll leave. Yes, exactly. So she, then she, while Bane is unconscious, basically repairs the ship, which takes several days. Um, and then essentially, uh, uh, Xana wakes Bane up and Bane is like wakes up this time he's much more alert but he's like super pissed off because he thinks all this bad shit happened and then xana just basically breaks down to him her plan and how it worked and then bane once again just kind of leans back and goes like you've done well my apprentice <laughs> and then and then she basically says like you're gonna teach me everything you know and then i'm going to kill you right to her, right to his face and that's basically how the book ends yeah it's an incredible book it's like it's 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 so good how would you rate this book zero to ten and then i'm gonna ask you how you would rate uh the thrawn books i think uh i would say that the darth bane books are probably my favorite because they're a big picture storyline right they're extremely easy to read drew carpenter mm. does an amazing job they are heavy invested on major top tier storylines like yep. the battle of light versus dark uh i would say that i enjoyed the thrawn books in a very different way uh-huh Almost just as a fan of his character and as a fan of the uh, of the uh, of the specific writing, but yeah, like I, B- the Bane books are my favorite to me. Like the the Plagueis book is good in a totally different way. Yeah, it's like Agreed. the Plagueis books are good, and you're you, you don't even remember because it's been so long. Wait till because I didn't remember when I listened to it uh, um, of like six months ago. I was like, oh my gosh, like I forgot how good this book is. Super dialogue heavy, mm-hmm. very little action. But it's all like Sith lore, and right. it is so good. But like this is like that perfect balance of like Sith lore, big picture storyline, and like real action. Like yeah, yeah. literally, we got to see like the first book is literally the war between the Sith and the Jedi. Super dope. Second book, epic conflict between the Jedi and the Sith on Rusan or on uh, uh, Tython, right? And then the third book, which we won't get into right now out of spoilers, but has its own kind of unique kind of flair. And so right. I, I really, really enjoyed the Bane books. Yeah, dude. I mm-hmm. would I would rate this Bane book as like 8.7. It would be a 9.5 for me if it was actually canon. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like the only thing that like really pulls back for this book is that like it's just not truly canon. It's uh-huh. canon for us, but it's not truly, truly canon. Uh-huh. And that's just such a bummer for me. Yeah. yeah, and 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 like that's the thing too is like they've already broken some specific canon pieces to where they're gonna have to even if they tell Darth Bane's story kind of tweak it a little bit. Right. But I'm okay with that. It's yeah. no different than what they did you. with Thrawn. For the I record, feel you. you know what I mean? Yeah. All right, guys, that is all we have for today. As always, we sincerely appreciate you for supporting the show. We will see you guys next week. Sorry for bringing my son around. It's no, a little geez, distracting. He's uh, always welcome. I'm on. I'm on daddy duty today. So. <laughs>